Have you been feeling stuck, exhausted, and finding yourself living as a passenger in your own life? By giving away so much of your energy and power to everyone and everything around you. But you? Well, you are not alone. My name is Dr. Valérie Johnston Dugamin, osteopath, and I have been there too. After being burned out, exhausted, I decided to take control of my life and get back into my driver's seat. It wasn't easy though, but I did it. And you can do it too. In this podcast, I will share stories, invite guest speakers, and provide insight and tips on how to turn your life around and move back into your driver's seat. My guest today is a very successful businesswoman. After her life turned ups and downs at a very young age, she has worked hard to build herself and became very successful. Then she lost everything and didn't give up again and regained success. Today, she quit her six-figure job to help small businesses and startups all over the world create profitable, scalable, sustainable business because she truly believes everyone deserves the opportunities to be successful. Thank you and welcome Billy Sharp to the Driver's Seat Club. Hi Valerie, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and be able to share my story with you and your followers. Yes, thank you so much. And today you're going to talk about your story, how you achieved success and then lost it all and then start again. So I'm just going to take you through a bit of my childhood first so that you can see where I really came from. It's not something that I talk about a lot. It's not easy for me to talk about, but I understand that the more I share, the more people that will benefit from that. My mum and dad separated before I was one. I was really fortunate that throughout my life, my mum always made sure that I had a relationship with my biological father, but he wasn't there. Between the ages of about one and six, my mum, we moved around a lot. She had different boyfriends and things like that. When I was six, she met my stepfather who treated me as if I was his own child. He was a really great dad, like any dad, like what you would want. My mum went on to have two other kids, which would be my brother and my sister. It was a really happy life. When I was 12, my mum and my stepdad, they had some falling outs and she decided to move away. So I was in grade seven here, which is your last year in primary school. And my mum uprooted our lives five hours away <laughs> to finish <laughs> my primary school years, which was uh, quite daunting. And then I had to start the end of my primary school and then a new high school up there. Also in that time, my mum met somebody else who went on to abuse me throughout the period which wasn't spoken about openly within my family and still isn't spoken about openly in my family till today. It's as if it never happened. Sorry, when you say abuse you, do you mean psychological abuse? Do you mean physical abuse? It was more psychological abuse. He was trying to sexually abuse me, but I would fight him off. He would have marks on him from where I would be fighting off. Mum would ask what would happen. I didn't want my mum to be sad again, so I would say, 
oh, nothing. Um, we were just mucking around and he got hurt. And it went on like that for almost 12 months until one day I just couldn't take it anymore and I told my mum what was going on. She was a bit sceptical. I think she thought I was a 13-year-old, you know, trying to get attention. We'd had a lot going on in our lives. Eventually, not long after that, they actually broke up and my mum got back with my stepfather. So I thought, okay, here we go. Happy families again. We're going to move home. It's going to be fantastic. So I've now changed high schools back <laughs> back to where I would have gone to high school. But when we got there, it wasn't all roses. They actually fought a lot and they separated not long after that and we moved out. How did you feel about that, you know, like the fact that you had an image in your mind of, wow, she went back to your stepfather and then, yeah, things are going to be the way they were before, but realizing the reality of, wow, oh my God, no, actually it's not good. How did you feel about that? I didn't know how to feel. I was 13, 14 years old in an area that was really gray and new to me in a time where I'm developing myself as a woman. Um, coming into all of these things and I wasn't sure what that meant for me and how I should act really I was still a child at 14 I thought I I knew it all but <laughs> I was still a child I'm still a child now I'm still learning every day but no it was definitely um, a really hard time so mum sought crisis housing which in Australia is basically like it's similar to Centrelink so it's like government housing but it's for crisis. So they say, okay, you're in abusive, like mental abusive, physical, and we need to get you out of that environment. And they put you up in this house. So we did that. Not long after my mum met her now husband, and we moved into another type of housing, which was government funded. I'd gone into a really bad place. Throughout that time, I'd actually had to have an ovary removed because I'd crashed my motorbike. So yeah, through emergency surgery, I had an ovary removed and I was drinking, I was smoking, I was 15 years old. I was still kind of going to school. I didn't really care though. My life wasn't this life that I had planned in my head. Eventually, we actually moved in with mum's new boyfriend, which is her husband now. I had my boyfriend living with me at the time. And at this point, I was in grade 12 and my mum said to me, I'm going to move to Indonesia with my husband because he's got a job there. I was 16 years old <laughs> and she said, you can come with me or you can stay behind. I didn't know what to do. It was adamant that I really wanted to finish grade 12. There wasn't a, like a lot of time left. I only had about six months worth of actual schooling remaining. So I thought I could just stick it out here. I was already working. I could make this work. My mum, she moved overseas. To move over there, she had to get married to him. So they got married in Indonesia and I went to their wedding over there. While I was over there, because I had moved out back home with my boyfriend, we moved into a share house with some other people. So I've gone over there. I was only over there a few weeks and my boyfriend called me about the second week and he said, look, I don't want to talk about it but I don't want to be with you anymore. And I thought, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like, I'm in another country. You're on my phone. That's my money that you're spending. Like, what is going on? And mum said, you could stay. You can stay here with us, start a new life over here. 
And I said, no, I can't. I have responsibilities back home. I still have a brother and sister back home. I have everything back home. So she's left her other two kids, yeah. <laughs> At the time, they were seven and eight years old. Where were they living? With my stepfather, so with their dad. I couldn't just walk away from all of that. I'm not sure to this day how she did, but I certainly couldn't. Um, so I got back on a plane. I went home. <laughs> I lived in the same house with my ex-boyfriend. I worked three jobs to support myself. I went to school full time and I was doing TAFE as well, which is like a secondary education here. So I could get my diploma of business. I had no idea what I was going to do when I finished school. I just knew that I wanted to finish and I wanted to do more. When I got home, I had lost my mum. She'd left me. My dad that I'd always known as my dad disowned me. He didn't want anything to do with me anymore because he had a new girlfriend and she didn't want him to have anything to do with me. My brother and sister weren't allowed to see me. They would walk past my house to and from school and weren't allowed to stop in ever. <laughs> How did you feel about that? Wow. I was heartbroken. I would wait out in the gutter <laughs> for them to walk by just so we could talk and like catch up. And if their stepmom drove past and saw me, they would get in trouble. So we had to be really careful about how we communicated. It was really scary. I didn't know what I was going to do. I ended up getting quite sick with asthma, which I hadn't really suffered from in the past. And I was rushed to hospital and I called my mum to say, look, I need some money for some medicine. And she said, I can't send you money. Like, I just don't have a way to do that. I would if I could. So I called my biological father because at this point, I've got nobody else. <laughs> like, I have got no one. <laughs> so I call him and he says to me, are you still drinking and smoking? And I said, yes, like I am. Yeah. Yep. And he said, well, if you didn't drink and smoke, you'd be able to afford your medication. <laughs> I was probably really angry with everybody around me, I wouldn't be who I am today without all of that. I wouldn't, definitely would not be this person. Who I am today was formed from what happened to me. Everything that happened to me, every single scar that happened to me throughout my life has made me who I am today, 100%. I actually think people with scars are more successful because we want it more. I can relate to that. I was still going to school. That had happened. A few months went by. I actually turned 17 and then it was going to school holidays here, which would mean after those school holidays, I had about three months left of school and to finish grade 12. I'd already finished my diploma of business, so I knew I had that. My biological father called me and he lived nine hours away. And he said, look, the company that I work for, the owner has gone overseas and the receptionist has quit. I need somebody. Do you want to come and work down here for two weeks? I said, yeah, of course. I'm on holidays. And he said, it'll actually be for four weeks. I said, yep, that's fine. I'm finished all my exams. Like it's the first week back. It won't matter. I could really use the money. So I packed a suitcase. I jumped on the plane. He paid for my flights, picked me up from the airport, got there. It was actually a really nice experience to be able to get to know my dad a little bit more and just work with him every day, see what type of person he is. I think when you work with somebody, <laughs> you really start to get to know them. <laughs> when the owner got back, she said to me, uh, you've done such an amazing job. Do you want the job? And I thought, I do, but I have three months left of grade 12. And like, what, what would I do? I have all my stuff back there. 
all because all I brought with with me was a suitcase, so I didn't really know what I was going to do. And then I thought, like, what am I going back to? My boyfriend's left me. I can't see my brother and sister. The dad I did know has disowned me. Really, I'm just going back to a bunch of heartache. So I decided that I would stay. I would go home. I'd pack up all my belongings. I would sell stuff, ship stuff, do what I needed to do, move in with my dad. So I did that. I'd started the job. And at first, it was really hard because I was living with my dad who wanted to parent me because I was still 17, but he had never been there. That ship had sailed. <laughs> you can't parent somebody that has now lived on their own and gone through all of that. It's too late. <laughs> it was really, like, very hard. And my stepmom, like, that's his wife. She's been in my life a really long time, so that wasn't new. But it was not the home that I had known. As much as they tried to make it feel welcoming, it felt very cold. It was actually really, really hard. What do you mean it felt cold? Was it them or was it the environment? What was it exactly? I think it's a bit of both. Like they're not used to having somebody else in their home all of a sudden because they never went on to have more kids. It was just them. So all of a sudden they've got somebody else in their home all the time. So they're used to having things a certain way. So I felt awkward if I wanted to make a sandwich or, you know, if I wanted to go somewhere, I felt like I needed to ask, but I shouldn't have to ask. <laughs> It was very, very awkward. And I just remember, like, I would come home from work. And because I worked with my dad all day, like, I've already seen him all day. <laughs> It was just really, really hard. And in that time, I actually met a guy who is now my husband, Nick. And we met and we moved in together quite quickly because I wanted to get out of that house. I was just like, I want out. He was moving out. So it kind of just worked out really well. So we moved in together. And I'd grown, I'd stayed with the business two years with my dad. I'd spoken to my dad and I said, he was the manager and then there was the owner. And I said, look, I really think I deserve a pay rise. I've done all of this hard work. Like I've taken on so much more responsibility now. And he said, yeah, you have to ask her. And so, yeah, no worries. So then I built up the courage, you know, I did that <laughs> back and forth in my head. I'm going to say this and she's going to say that. I'm going to say this and I'll start a bit higher. I'll negotiate down. I did all of that. I built up the courage. I was still only 18 years old and I walked into her office and I looked her in the face and I said, hi, I like, this is my spiel, blah, blah, blah. She looked back at me and she said, you're not worth it. Oh my God, really? Every single part of my inside <laughs> burnt. I've never been burnt so badly in my life. So even though you had all these things that happened purely that was so intense and, you know, like uh, painful, but what this woman told you for you was the most devastating and burning things that you ever had in your life. I had worked so hard and so tirelessly. I never called in sick. I was always on time, always worked late. And she just told me I wasn't worth it. My mum never told me I wasn't worth it. I was very fortunate in that my mum was very confident building. You're so beautiful. You're so great. You can do anything. So for another woman that you work with every day to turn around and look at you and say, you're not worth it, like it was nothing, every bit inside of me said, I'm going to prove you so wrong. <laughs> wow. So she helped you, in fact, by saying that to you. She gave you more power. I walked out of that office and I went home and I said to my partner, Nick, I said, I'm resigning. 
And he said, really? Like, we can't afford for you to resign because he was going to uni. My job was the only income. And I said, no, I'm doing it. I said, she told me today I wasn't worth it. I said, I know what I'm worth. And I'm worth, like, I can't work with somebody who doesn't think I'm worth it. I couldn't quit that job until I found another job. So I went to an interview at an auction company. I got the job straight away. They said, start next week. Okay, perfect. So I resigned. It felt so good. How long did it take you between like the time that she told you that and you resigned? By the next week, I had a new job. Would you say that you were in the driver's seat at that time? Definitely. <laughs> I started the new job. It was good. It was really good money. I hadn't, I'd only been there a couple of days and I received a phone call from a man that I didn't know, but I knew of. I was in shipping prior and he called me and he said, I heard that you left your old job. Would you like a job? And I said, oh, <laughs> I was like, I have a job. Thank you, though. <laughs> he was a South African man. And he said, no, I want you to work for me. And I said, oh, look, I really appreciate that. But these people, you know, they've given me this job. I'm not the type of person that could just walk away. And he said, just come for an interview. And I said, I can't. I've got this new job. <laughs> like, I can't be like, oh, just tomorrow I'm going to go for an interview. He said, no, come on Saturday. Do you work Saturday? So I said, no. He said, come on Saturday. So I went to this interview. I fell in love with his nature straight away. The ability to be commanding and accepting at the same time. All I knew was I didn't know a lot about him, but I wanted to learn from him. His name is Mark Finnegan, and he was the owner of a shipping container park or a park owner with his dad. And he just had this commanding presence, but it was so genuine and so kind. It wasn't commanding in the sense where you felt overshadowed. So we agreed on a salary and he said, so you'll start Monday? He's very commanding and you don't want to say no. And I said, I, I can't, like I have to give these other people notice. And he said, oh no, you'll start Monday. I was like, okay, I'll start Monday. So I did. And I worked for them for seven years. Oh my God, that's amazing. Absolutely incredible company. Not only did he allow me to learn, he gave me the space to grow, which was crucial. I have crazy ideas. I always have. And he let me run with them. I stepped up really quickly. I started basically like reception and shipping. And pretty quickly, I was operations manager. I was earning over six figures. I bought a brand new Audi SUV. I was living the life. I had fancy dresses, like everything you can imagine I had. <laughs> oh, good on you. Wow. And I was only 23 years old when this all happened. And I worked with him. I grew everything. It was amazing. In this time, I also took in my little sister. She had run into some issues, so she had started living with me. My mum had moved back into Australia. So my life was falling into place. I got married. All of these things were happening. It was really great. And then I fell pregnant which was planned, thought it would take a little bit longer because I only have one ovary, I have PCOS, have endometriosis, all of these lovely things. Fell pregnant straight away, which is a miracle in itself. And then I got really sick through my pregnancy to the point that I couldn't work. And I had planned to work till the day I was due. <laughs> my husband and I were renting. We had bought a block of land. We were building our dream home on this block of land. We were going through everything you can imagine. It was great. I was so sick. And in the May of 2016, he 
came home and he said, I've lost my job. And I wasn't working because I was too sick to work with my pregnancy. So all of a sudden, our lifestyle that we had created was being torn away. So he started doing anything that he could to bring money in. And he is a qualified high voltage electrician. So he has a really good trade. He also has done two years in university doing a Bachelor of Science, associate degree in electrical engineering, like super smart guy. He's selling mobile phones. I can't imagine how degrading that is for him. And he was just doing anything. He worked at Pizza Hut, so many different things, laboring jobs, anything just to bring money in. But it wasn't enough. How are you feeling? Because being someone that you are so driven and then without your control, you couldn't work because you were pregnant and not pregnant, but not well. How did you feel about that? So what actually ended up happening was I got something called prenatal depression, which I've always suffered with depression, but this was really hard. I actually ended up being admitted to a psychological hospital throughout my pregnancy because I didn't want to be pregnant anymore. I didn't want this anymore. I didn't love the child that was inside me. And it was a really hard time. We went through that. It was getting to a point that we could not survive. We knew that the minute that baby was born, we would need to basically pack up and move to live with somebody. And my sister had decided she was going to move back in with her biological father. So she did that. So the day my daughter was born, Five days later, we packed everything into a shipping container that we owned. If it didn't fit, it didn't come with us. And we moved 12 hours south to live with my mum. We were on the brink of, do we declare bankruptcy? We did not know what to do. We had listed our house that we were building for sale. The build hadn't actually started. So it had all the pre-approvals, everything like that. We are living down there with my mum. And the entire plan was that, once my maternity leave had run up, because I got the government maternity leave, I would we would move back and I would go back to work. About three months out from that all happening, my husband actually got a job. And not just a job, but a job that was incredibly well-paying, really set us up, got us out of that debt situation, and we just went on from there. It was actually really good. I then had to tell the company that I was always going back to work for that it helped me so much that I wasn't coming back. What did they say? Oh, they were so supportive. They just said, whatever you need, we weren't sure. Like, we hope, we wish you the best. It'll be amazing for you. It was really nice. So by this stage, my, it wasn't actually quite six months. My daughter was six months old. And I got a phone call from somebody locally that said, I heard that you might be looking for a job. And I said, oh, no, not really. Like, I'm quite happy being a mum now, although I wasn't. And they said, just come in for the interview. So I did. I went and sat the interview. Um, they offered me a really great position where I only had to work three days a week for a five-day-a-week salary. I couldn't say no. I went back to work, and it was like I was reborn. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm back. I don't know what, who I thought I was, a mum, no, that's not me. I'm this woman, I'm a mum, I'm, I'm a working woman. And then they saw the potential in me and I was promoted to general manager. It just took a lot um, out of my family to do that and I could see that toll on my family. In which way that uh, would you say it took a toll on your family? Is that because you were working long hours? Is it because it was very intense? Yeah, so it was definitely a lot of hours. I was working about 80 hours a week 
my husband was also working about 60 to 70 hours a week. We had a full-time nanny living with us, but it was just a lot on my daughter. She wasn't even two years old and I'm expecting her to live this awesome life because I'm doing all these great things. But I was realizing really quickly that she didn't need all of the money or all of the extra things. She just needed me and she just needed her dad. So I spoke to the owners of the company where I was working and said, look, this is what's going on. I'd really like to take a step sideways and move over into the CFO position because I knew they were resigning, which was only a three day a week role. They let me do that. I side shifted, which was really lovely. Then throughout the year, I knew I wanted more. I couldn't just keep working for somebody else anymore. I needed to offer more to people. I went to America, well, my family, myself, my husband, my daughter, we went to America for eight weeks. And in that time, just seeing the difference in culture from Australia to America, and I've traveled before, but this was different. I expected American people to be the same as us in the fact like they were happy with their work-life balance but it's not like that at all. They never take holidays. They're so overworked, so overwhelmed. A lot of the people I was talking to were small business owners that were really struggling. So I knew straight away while I was on holidays, I started preparing my business for when I got home. I was, that's it, I'm coming home and I'm starting a business. I was doing it. I came home, my business was like up and running in the background. Then I resigned from my job and then it was COVID. I'm just going back to before the COVID, what was the business? I didn't really know what I was going to do. I thought I would just do consulting. I've had such a diverse range of experience in a small business. So I, I could help pretty much any business grow. I know that because I've done it time and time again here. And I've started different branches for these businesses. I know how to do this. I'll just consult and I'll do that. So that's what I intended to do. So I start my business in February, March in COVID. <laughs> didn't know what that was going to look like. I thought, oh my God, you've just like you've just quit a six-figure job in the middle of COVID. You've lost it. So I did. And actually, I was really well supported by the people around me. My husband is definitely very supportive, which is great. And he believed in me more than I believed in myself. At times when I was up at 11 p.m. at night crying because I couldn't get my website to work or I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. I just kept pushing through. In the first four months, I turned $200 into a consistent $10,000 a month business in the middle of COVID. Wow, congratulations. That's beautiful. Within eight months, I brought some people on and we'd created a six-figure business, which continues to grow today, which is absolutely incredible. We launched a program called You, which was all about helping you discover who you are and digging really deep into that, aligning you with your business. That somehow got published on over 300 media sites around the world. So that was super exciting. I realized in the journey that actually, no, I wanted to be a coach. I still wanted to do consulting. I um, completed my NLP certification to become a certified NLP practitioner <laughs> in the middle of everything else. At the end of last year, we actually moved home essentially back the 12 hours <laughs> so we're back now with all our family and friends which is amazing and did you keep that land or you had to sell it no we did sell that we sold that land and we would consider our dream home now uh, which needs to be renovated but that's fine we'll get there and then 
in amongst all of it, I was just settling down and one of my really good one-on-one clients, which I don't take on many one-on-one clients because it takes a lot out of me, actually died in a tragic car accident. And I didn't know at all how to do. I didn't know what information do I pass on to his estate? What, like, what do I do? And that was actually a really challenging time for me. I took a step back for probably three weeks just to emotionally work through everything and help his family work through everything as well. But yeah, we get there and it's just a really lovely experience to be able to now deliver what I'm doing to other women. Wow, that's so amazing. It's so, so inspirational. You know, like your story, it just means that you never give up. It doesn't matter how hard it is. You just keep on going. As you said, experience that you had at a very young age built who you were today. So what would be the takeaway like, from all of that story? I think the biggest thing is when something negative happens is try and be as positive as possible. Really try and see the positivity in, the, in what's going on. I understand that can be really difficult sometimes when you lose a loved one or a child in certain circumstances you know those things are obviously going to take longer to get over and move forward from but don't sweat the small stuff we get caught up in so many things on things not being perfect or how we look or so many different things and the reality is people want people they want real everyday people and they don't want everything to be perfect because they're not perfect nobody is perfect just deliver what you've got and as long as you have humanity in what you were doing, you'll be successful. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Billy. I love your story. I could relate and feel it in my whole body. That was so intense. Just thank you so much for doing this and letting other women share their story and getting it out into the world. I think it's really important. I know sometimes it can be really sad and hearing other people's success stories. And you might think, oh, that could never be me. I was that person. I thought it could never be me. I could never be that person, but I never gave up. Are you in the driver's seat now in all area of your life? Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much again. No problem. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Driver's Seat Club. Until next time, have a powerful day.